You're listening to XOXO After Darkcast, in which three editors talk romance novels, sex, pop culture, relationships, writing. And did we mention sex? Yeah! From the ladies behind XOXOAfterDark.com, because the best conversations happen after dark. I made eye contact with him, which was a terrible idea, because he dipped his head and looked at me apologetically, which made it impossible to hold on to any form of undeserved anger I held toward him. I'm really sorry. I just... I thought you were her. I never would have kissed you had I known otherwise. He appeared to be genuine in his apology, but... As much as I tried to grasp the sincerity, I couldn't help but analyze that last part. I never would have kissed you had I known otherwise. Somehow that felt more like an insult than an apology, and I knew the whole thing was stupid, and it really was an honest mistake. Honor didn't know it happened, so I should have been able to laugh it off, but I couldn't. It was hard to laugh off something that affected me like it did, but I did my best to fake it. That's fine. I said with a shrug. Really, it was such an awkward kiss anyway. I'm glad it was an accident because I was about two seconds away from slapping you. Something in his expression faltered. I forced a smile as I turned and walked to my bedroom without looking back at him. That was the last time we spoke. Welcome. Thanks for having me. And we also have her publicist extraordinaire, Ariel Fredman, who is joining us on the mic as well, so we can get uh, perspectives from all over the case. Uh, Lovely producer Diana is hanging out in the background and is going to join us for a game a bit later. And otherwise, I am flying this plane solo, so um, either congratulations or I'm sorry. We'll see how it turns out. (laughs) (laughs) So, Colleen, we are thrilled to have you, and I'm betting that many of our listeners already know who you are because you are really kind of a household name in the romance, women's fiction, uh, new adult space, all of these things. And every time you have a new book out, uh, I feel like the internet just lights up. So we were happy to grab you because, in fact, you have a new book out. I do. It's called Without Merit, and it came out Tuesday. Yes, and uh, I was, you know, I could see I was looking around about it, and you could see that people are already, like, crazy about it on the internet and everything is like hundreds of five-star reviews it got a starred review from Kirkus and um, uh, I was really interested because a lot of the reviews were talking about how you're dealing with actually some really kind of challenging subjects in this book do you want to tell us a little bit about what Without Merit is about? Yeah it's about a 17 year old girl and her name actually is Merit um, so the title is a play on her name She is from a very quirky family, and the book deals with, um, or, you know, touches on their family, the relationships between each family member, and and how her character grows throughout the book. And halfway through the book, she just kind of gets fed up with everyone and reveals terrible family secrets that she knows, and then regrets it, and has already written a letter that all of the family reads and revealing all these secrets. So the book deals with the aftermath of that letter. Oh, when you juicy. you make the decision, you're like, I'm burning it to the ground, I don't care. And then you're like, oh wait, I'm still here. Oh Hmm. no, bad choice. Oh, Um, now uh, one of the things I understand um, and I don't think this is a spoiler because I feel like people are talking about it, but if it is, we'll take this question out. Okay. Um, Is that you're writing about a character who's dealing with depression. Right. And is that, um, what drew you to talk about that? Is that something that you were sort of particularly interested in or that 
attracted your attention I actually, somehow? Or? I started the book with without that in mind. Mm-hmm. It just happened to be where her character took me. And so I decided to write about it. I have a degree in social work and um, did that for seven years and have seen a lot of stuff, you know, throughout yeah. my career. And so it always kind of bleeds into my books a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you have a real knack for uh, kind of making broken people whole again, maybe in your yeah. stories. I think that's what attracts a lot of people to it is, um, and I think maybe what people are recognizing in your books because it seems to speak so closely to them. Was this uh, experience, was the experience of writing something like that um, different from some of the stuff you've done in your past or do you see this as sort of the natural evolution of where your books have been going? I do feel like this book is a little different from my books in the past. This one still has a romance element in it but it's not the main focus and most of my other books, romance has been the main focus. And um, I've been really pleasantly surprised and happy with how the readers have, you know, taken to this book and accepted that I kind of wrote outside my genre a little bit. But um, it still has the same feel of my other books. You know, I, I really love to touch on the emotional subjects, but I also love to end the books making you feel good. So um, I, I think I accomplished that and I'm excited about it. Uh, one of the things that I noticed a lot of the reviews had in common for Without Merit is, well, half of them were like, oh, my God, it made me cry, and it was so emotional, it was amazing. But the other half were also talking about how funny it could be and noting that humor is really a big part of your work and your writing voice. Uh, did you um, think sort of consciously about how you were going to apply that in this case, or is it can you not help yourself and that's just the way you yeah, see the world? I feel like I have to think more consciously about adding the emotional aspects to the books. I'm not an emotional person. I'm very sarcastic. I love humor. And so that always shows up in my books, and it's the emotional part that I kind of struggle with because I... I just I'm not romantic and I wrote write romance novels I'm not a very emotional person I don't cry so I think that may be why my books are a little more on the emotional side because I have to push myself until I feel it and then the books end up making people cry a lot so (laughs) I think that's good a funny story you tell is kind of about when you first started writing slammed Colleen's first novel and you didn't even know that it would be categorized as romance. Absolutely not. I had never read a romance book. I actually loved true crime <laughs> novels and had, you know, I started writing this story and had no idea and I shelved it as um, drama. Yeah. Just drama. Right. Drama. That's a thing. Just a little William Absolutely. Shakespeare plus Colleen right. Hoover. <laughs> that makes sense. Well, and now somehow I'm sure that would work. But that's so interesting <laughs> to me. And so um, uh, romance, not a thing for you. Have you gotten more in do you read more in that world oh, now just because it's part yeah. of your I love it now and I think after I wrote my first book and realized it was a romance I was like oh so they're not all like Harlequin romance novels like my mom used to read right. you know and that's when I got into the contemporary romance and um, mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite genres now and yeah. I yeah so far most of my books have been that because I enjoy reading it I enjoy writing it mm-hmm. do you get like I mean, I kind of bristle at it. Do you get kind of annoyed when people are like, oh, you read romance or you write romance or just the general assumption that romance is a lesser than book category? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I don't think people that make those judgments, I don't think they understand that, yes, it's a romance, but there are also other elements to these books that make it so much more. I know with It Ends With Us, um, a book I released Mm -hmm. last year, 
dealt with a really heavy subject and I got so many emails from women who it absolutely changed their lives yeah. and they left mm -hmm. abusive relationships because of it and so you know people that judge it and think it's just characters kissing and having sex it's it makes me sad for them because they're missing out on some really great right mm -hmm. and that Washington Post article I was like are we gonna talk about the Robert <laughs> yeah. Gottlieb yeah I was I like, missed this I've been on tour but I saw some aftermath of right. it you and see I the Twitter no anger yeah, yeah what happened it was a super condescending article. oh the, you're talking about the New York Times oh. article Oh, right. I am talking yes. about, oh, yes, we have I a I was bunch. just citing a small fact. The Washington <laughs> Post released some sort of, you know, I mean, also all the friggin' time. Romance makes up, what, 35%? It's like 50% 50 of paperbacks of, yeah. and probably 30 to just 40%. astronomical of, numbers yeah. that most people are reading romance, but like no one's really talking about it. So here we are talking about it. But what Abby's referring to is a New York Times roundup right. by a man. Yes, by a heralded literary editor and... Um, uh, he headed the, was the New Yorker? Yeah. Or anyway, yeah. he's, you know, in the hallowed halls of publishing. And he, for whatever reason, decided to write a romance roundup. And it was very sneering and condescending and also extraordinarily ill-informed. And so um, romance Twitter uh, has been schooling him hard. Well, probably not him because I don't think he's on Twitter. I can't uh, wait to he, catch he probably up. doesn't really know. No, a I think he's of the he, seasons of romance novels, right? Which I think included something that was like five years old as well. Yeah. So, um, oh, and he may man. or may not have written it with a quill and ink, but uh, <laughs> yeah. it was infuriating. Um, what was he thinking? I think yeah. he was like, you know, I think the New York Times is rightfully trying to expand their review coverage and their literary coverage to be more reflective of what people are actually reading a little bit, especially in the online community, but this was just a little swing and a miss. Yeah, well, Mom. Ariel, I'm gonna turn to you and ask you because um, most of the uh, writers we've had, especially uh, women writers, I think, and people that we've talked to, are loath to toot their own horn as much as they should. So I turn yeah. to your able publicist. What is it that you find that Colleen's fans are most responding to or some of the things that uh, you have you know, stories yeah. you've heard or what are they getting out of these books that make them so intensely passionate for her work? What I always love about Colleen is that she says she doesn't write to educate. She writes to entertain. And if you remove that education piece, even though it can be important and it is there even without her trying in some aspects, if you just look at a book and she's there to write a book that entertains you to take you away from your regular life for four hours because, you know, what are we doing if we're not escaping for a few hours in a book? She does that so well and you just come away feeling great. You know, you go in, you know you're going to get something that's very interesting, very heartbreaking. You're going to cry when you least expect it. You're going to laugh out loud at the characters because they're weird and <laughs> also great and also extremely relatable even though, yes, things can be you know, we're reading a book. I'm not reading about, like, Sally who lives in the cubicle next door to me. I want to read about someone that's maybe has a different life. So she brings in these aspects without even, you know, intending. You don't go into a book thinking, you know what I'm going to learn about today? I'm going to learn about domestic abuse. That's <laughs> yeah. not what everybody wants to pick up necessarily. But you go in, you learn about something maybe that you never thought of in a certain way. And she explores it without being pedantic or, mm -hmm. you know, preachy. And then you come away thinking about someone else's perspective and also laughing and also crying and also <laughs> really loving th these characters and, you know, the boyfriends, the book boyfriends. They're not <laughs> assholes. Can I say assholes? Yes, you can. Um, <laughs> or, you know what? Even if they are assholes, you understand why they are and and you feel good about them. Um, I think she also 
as moving towards a a place where the characters are a little more diverse, which is great and mm-hmm. something that people in romance are trying to do. And um, I always go back to maybe someday, which is one of her books that has a hearing impaired character as the love interest, really, um, and such a great book just about you know college kind of like you know bringing it back to those days of drinking <laughs> wait this just ended uh i mean no i don't know right, it's not like right. drinking isn't a main topic that i actually but let's that cut that rawness that you have where you know college is such a uh this moment where you're poised and you're like the whole world is sort of in front of you but also everything is super intense and it feels like every choice could be this is the beginning of my life yes. and the music swells or it could be <laughs> if I pick wrong this is going to doom me forever and then when you're my august age lo these many decades <laughs> later and you realize oh yeah no most of that was never going to make much of a difference you're fine yeah. you're going to be okay but right. but you feel like it yeah. makes your whole life yeah yeah and I think it's nice to be to sometimes we need that hit of intensity again to yeah. to remember to to wake up your feelings yeah. I don't know in that way and make choices I love writing about characters in their formative years I um, got married when I was 20 and had three kids while I was in college so you know I had a completely different college experience than yeah. most people and I've been with my husband since I was 16 I've never had my heart broken and so just writing about these things that I've never really experienced mm-hmm. is kind of my way of of living the other life that I never led which I preferred the life I you know ab- actually lived much more but it's fun for me i like escaping just like the readers do when they read the books that i write you can make all the bad decisions you want exactly in the pages of your exactly. book exactly so <laughs> what inspired you with your first with slammed was slammed your very first novel yes um what made you pick up the pen and think this is the thing i'm gonna do you know i think i was overwhelmed with life <laughs> my husband was working on the road he was home three days a month oh. i had three kids under the age of 10 and i was working 11 hour days and I was, I was looking for an escape, you know, and my son, my middle child joined a theater and he auditioned for a play. And so we had rehearsals every night. I would work seven to six and from six to nine or 10, I would write in this, in the wow. stands while he did his rehearsals. And it just, the story that I was writing for fun as an escape just turned into an, a book and I never expected it to turn into this, but... That's amazing. So you wrote an amazing best-selling book. I would just sit home and eat my feelings, but you know, to <laughs> eat your own in me, literally at me. I mean, I'm listening to that. I'm like, I think I need to lie down. Just listen. That's that's amazing. I think you once said like, Ariel, when you turn 30, you're just gonna do something great. And I was like, okay, cool. That sounds like you were like, yeah, I turned 30, and then I just like I had to write a book. And I'm like, cool. I turned 30, and here I am. <laughs> I don't remember that. I think what you're doing is excellent. Mm. Mm. We're all doing excellent. You know, yeah. we're all ourselves our lives. Up. We are. I we love are. this. Look at this view. We're in New York City and you mm-hmm. live here and work here. It's amazing. I can eat Starburst whenever I want. <laughs> yes. And that's cereal for dinner. Yeah. Right. No one can tell me it's not okay to have Reese's peanut butter pumpkins for dinner. Yeah. Still making good choices. Loads of right. um, So you self-published Slammed. Yes. And... Did it become an overnight success? Is that did it just kind of magically happen? And were you already super online? Is that a thing that you had to learn I, I to had do a this, Facebook, or you just liked it? And I don't know why. I knew I had a unique name, and this was before I even wrote a book. But when Twitter came out, and you know, Snapchat, all those, I was very good at 
at securing my name, <laughs> just in case you yep. know anything ever happened. But um, no, I wasn't huge on on the internet, and I actually can't. I didn't even know you could self publish. I didn't know anything about the publishing world. My grandmother had gotten a Kindle for Christmas, and we were trying to figure out how to put the story I'd written onto her Kindle. Mm-hmm. And that's when I came across Amazon's self publishing platform. Mm-hmm. And 30 minutes later, my book was on Amazon. And I put it on her Kindle, and then I made a Facebook post. And I was like, hey, everybody, I wrote this story. It's free on Amazon for three days. Go download it. And that turned into just my friends telling their friends. And I had never put a penny into marketing, or, and the cover was terrible. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, it just happened to be the perfect timing when people were looking for that kind of story. Mm-hmm. And I think it was four or five months later, it hit the New York Times. It's amazing. And the Times was only just deigning to kind of be like okay i guess we have to admit that self-publishing exists and that people might actually be buying and reading this so it sounds like i mean perhaps there was some luck in the timing of it but obviously there were plenty of stuff out there before so it really had to be something special to cut through cut through the noise uh and ariel when did atria get into the picture so it was 2012 right yeah it was 2012 and i remember um we acquired a few authors in the brand new new adult category, um, and we were like, "What do we do here? Like, how do we how do we get these people out there?" And we were working with a lot of women's fiction bloggers, and I think people were picking up and trying to read only self published work. Um, but Atria, you know, read Colleen's book. I remember lots of people passing it around, being like, "This is really good," because there was still the sentiment that like self publishing mm-hmm. was like maybe cool, maybe not going to work, but Maybe there were some people who were really talented and we could pluck them out of obscurity. Obviously, there was no obscurity there. She was already <laughs> huge. Um, I think it was number five when yeah. y'all picked it up. Yeah. yeah. And right. We're more about maybe we can ride someone's coattails. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, and, and then it ended up, I mean, I wasn't actually right away Colleen's publicist, but ended up, um, we went on a bus tour and became pals. And, um, and then her old publicist left and I was kind of in charge of the program and and I was like, she's mine now. <laughs> she's Yay. mine. I love her forever. But yeah, no, it was amazing. And I remember we uh, we were pitching nonstop because this new whole self-publishing thing. And Colleen was on CBS this morning about, you know, this whole brand new genre that a million people were reading. Right. You became kind of the face of self-publishing, yeah. I think. It yeah, like. it's crazy. I, um, you know, you look up new adult on Wikipedia and it has my name as one of the you know, first founding, founding, founding mothers. mothers. Yeah, and I didn't even know what New Adult was. Like, I wrote this book and I put it on Amazon, and <laughs> and then all this stuff starts happening, and I, I feel like you know, like though this is going to go away any second. They're playing a joke on me. Like I was, I was scared to quit my job. Like, you know, just a lot of it just happens so fast that I think I'm just now accepting the fact, like, oh, this is actually my career, and this is this is working, and yeah, I feel very very fortunate. What is different now just in your life and what's the same in your life from before Um, definitely the difference is traveling like I lived in Texas and I literally probably left Texas twice before I signed with Adria and then you know now I'm flying all over the world doing tours you know I just got finished with a tour in France and then just finished up at what eight state almost finished up an eight state tour in eight days (laughs) you know so that aspect of my life is different but I come from a very small town and it it's basically the same there and I like that and I have three kids and you know my biggest fear is that this will affect them in some way so I'm just you know hoping that they remain to be the same that they were before this all started and so far they are and 
I love the best, that. The best kids. How yeah. old are they now? Are they 12, 14, and 16? Do they, I mean, they're old enough, obviously, to, to know and understand what you do for a living, but do yeah. they... Um, do they read your books? Do they, or any of them, or uh, or are they just sort of like, yeah, mom does this thing, and <laughs> yeah, now she flies you know, a lot. I'm mom to them. I don't think they care, but they get points at school for reading books. And my first one slammed is is on that list, mm-hmm. and so they all read it for points. Oh. <laughs> but that's the only one they've read. We and won't then, read it to support mom, but we yeah, will read it for exactly. extra credit. <laughs> and um, without merit, I actually dedicated to my middle child because he inspired the main character yeah. a little bit, and. Um, I gave him the very first copy and, you know, showed him the dedication. He was like, oh, thanks, Mom. And I was like, you can read it if you want. You know, it's appropriate for your age. And he goes, are there dragons in it? And I was no. And he goes, no, thanks. Oh, I'm not going to read it. Maybe. Maybe someday. (laughs) Maybe someday. Maybe someday. I love that joke. You heard it here first. I love that joke. Um, You... There, uh, there was a whole sort of boom where all the traditional publishers suddenly discovered that there were writers out in them, our hills that we had been ignoring <laughs> for a long time. And as Ariel mentioned, there had been, I think, a, um, a snobbery from traditional publishing about like, well, if they were going to be good enough to write a book, we would have found them surely. Right. Uh, and then discovered that we were all perhaps really out of touch with a huge swath of market and uh, should get ourselves to the internet and start looking around. <laughs> Um, and there were to the internet, yes, to the interwebs, <laughs> the and uh, a lot of publishers started reaching out and making deals with various successful self self published authors. But a lot of those were not; they didn't have the longevity that your right. your relationship with Atria has had. And it looks like you've had some really sort of uh, an interesting, successful balance of indie published and traditionally published. And um, what do you enjoy about both of these kinds of publishings or approaches to publishing? Is there something that you think has made your relationship last and stay I successful? I honestly think it's the people at Atria. I I love them. They obviously. are nice people. I love Ariel. Ariel. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and my editor, Johanna, is just amazing. And, you know, I just have a really good relationship with them. And I'm like, why fix something that isn't broken? And I, I can't imagine not being with them. I also, though, enjoy... The aspects of self-publishing that Atria, you know, that I don't necessarily want to take to Atria. Like I um, wrote a book online last year and just shared it with the readers a chapter at a time mm-hmm. and then put it on Amazon. And it's not something I felt I wanted Atria to, to deal with and, and, and <laughs> to handle. It's to be your completely, next book. Right. It's mm-hmm. a completely different ballgame than what I usually write. So I like that um, I have both options. And of course, you know, the majority of my stuff is with Atria, but I did um, self-publish a novella series with a friend of mine, and and that's another thing. Like, I, you know, it's kind of hard to bring in someone else yeah. and and do a traditionally publishing deal with them. So it was just easier to do it self-published. So you know, there are just things that I think fit better with both markets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's different expectations too. Like, yeah, traditionally yeah. publishing, and then you have to do publicity and. There's marketing, there's giveaways, there's all this stuff that... Oh, yeah, there's a lot that I think Atria takes off my shoulders mm-hmm. when it comes to publishing that I don't have to worry about, especially, you know, just the whole editing and cover design and marketing, and um, it gives me more time to write. Yeah. Do you have to do it all yourself when you do something that you've published independently, or do you have outside 
people who work with you for those or now you just well i mean it's up to me to like hire out you know if i need a cover or i need someone to edit it and um you know you sometimes it's a hit or miss there too because you don't know if you're getting the right people and so it is much easier with the traditionally publishing route so i i really like that we like it too (laughs) yes yes and i think your your readers are delighted to be like great you know just give me yeah and i don't think my readers care honestly Mm -hmm. and I don't even know that some of them know like which book comes from which right. who publishes it and they you know they it has my name on it and they see me talking about it and yep. they're very supportive so I'm I'm very lucky that way. Yeah. So what is it like when you sit down to write page 1 of a new book? I mean it seems almost cruel to ask while you're still like well, look this one just came out but um do you ever feel pressure to deliver since you have such a passionate fan base or do you just and are you thinking about oh I know I have three different stories in my head that I have to kind of get to or does the muse just speak and you start what is it like when you're getting ready to you know start a new every book? book is different every book I feel a different kind of stress um, some of them I'm super confident with and some of them are just a struggle the whole way through but my my main goal is to make myself happy first I'm not gonna you know, rush something that I'm not feeling. I want it to continue to feel like it's a creative process and not a job. And I, I, you know, I'm kind of slowing down a little bit. I'm putting out, um, I think my last book before this one was 14 months ago. So mm-hmm. I was putting it about two, two and a half books a year. And now I'm slowing down to one every 14 yeah. or so months. And I see people in the self-publishing world who are, you know, cranking out books every month. And I'm like, am I not doing it fast enough? So that is a hard balance seeing, you know, all these Mm -hmm. people that are so prolific. And um, and I know like one book a year is still very prolific, but, you know, it just depends on who you're comparing yourself to. Right. But, um, yeah, it just depends on the book. I I definitely do feel stressed, but I I think it's because I have a lot of inspiration Mm -hmm. and it's hard to kind of narrow it down into one book. And... I, so I only write, I write one book at a time. I don't do more than that. <laughs> well, it gives you time to focus on what you're writing. Go yeah. back, really rethink it. Go through the editing process. Really think about how you're going to promote it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I take on too much, it'll. I feel like it doesn't serve each book justice. Right. It's it becomes very quick in between. Right. How can you go on tour for two books a year and still maintain a family? Yeah. 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 Oh, you want to see your family also and write mm-hmm. all these books? I know, like, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, no, not possible. But it's so true. I mean, from traditional publishing, our goal is like, book a year, book a year. And mm-hmm. we think like, that blistering pace. And then you're right. You see some folks self-publishing and they're like, okay, I can do it in about four weeks. And I'm like, how? Right. Like, are you icing your wrists in between? I don't know. How right. are you even and managing to type that I feel like I came from that, that world. Yeah. So that's what I'm comparing myself yeah. right. to. And so when I put out a book a year, I kind of am hard on myself about it. But yeah. I just refuse to put out anything that I'm not happy with mm-hmm. and I you know maybe it's not a good thing but I feel like my readers come second and my my happiness with the book comes first because I don't think they'll be happy with it if I'm not happy with it. Yeah. Honestly, I think that's probably why your readers I mean are like she's an auto buy because we know that we're going to get a quality really intense great entertaining experience regardless and if you if you're not writing to like fill a slot or just meet a deadline and throw it out there because well we promised then I think right. uh, people can feel more confident 
that when they pick up anything that has right. your name on it, they know that it's going to be They're very, very good. supportive. I feel like I have the best readers You do, there. and yeah. they're very nice. And they follow rules at signings, they like, beautifully. <laughs> All week long, I can't even tell you, every single night, night after night, the bookstores would tell me, this was the best crowd we've ever had. Aww. Like, just so polite and... I, and I love that. And I kind of take pride in it, like mm-hmm. a proud mom. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to blow Colleen's horn. Wait. <laughs> That's on brand for us, too, actually, though. Yeah. 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 Whatever the saying is. Toot. toot. It's not toot. There you go. We're going to blow a horn. Um, but what I mean is, it's not like 20 people showing up to a bookstore. It's like 400 people. And they're still being like so polite and respectful respectful of each other which is so nice mm-hmm. do you have any favorite uh recollections from being on the road and meeting your fans like great stories or i just got back from france and there's one reader who collects every single one of my books in every language wow and she came last year with three suitcases full <gasps> and somehow came this year with i think 180 more books for me to sign mm. oh my word and Oh my God! It just it it feels insane that she's that you know dedicated and loves my books that much that she wants her whole shelf to be everyone. She has more foreign language books than I. Have. I was gonna say she has more books than you. Yeah, because I was because gonna ask how many bo- how many languages some. are you published in? It's probably uh, a lot, right? Twenty eight, seven, twenty eight. Yeah. yeah, and and that's with fourteen books. You yeah. know, some of them have more than one book, and um. Yeah, it's just insane. She I, she was showing me covers that I'd never seen before. <laughs> You're like, oh, so that's what like, the check oh, edition looks world. like. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, that's exciting. It's a delight. Yeah. Uh, and you must get, like, tons of fan mail and messages and things like that, too. I you? do, and I'm so terrible at responding as yeah. much as I want. Like, in the beginning, I really took pride in the fact that I took the time to email and respond to every tag on Facebook and every email and now that it's gotten out of my control you know like I can't have there's no way I can respond to everything now oh yeah I kind of feel guilty but I'll I'll take about an hour a day to respond to as much as I can when Mm -hmm. I can and and when I do respond everyone's so appreciative so I I am very grateful for that I'm sure that if you said look you guys the choices are I could answer your email or I could write you the next book they'd be like get off the computer go I very rarely see people complain about it they're like (laughs) I know you won't respond but I just want to say this so you know they don't put expectations on me that are unrealistic which is nice do you have time to read for pleasure at all uh do you have any other writers either in your same space or something different that you want to recommend to people who love your work and are waiting for your next book? What else yeah, should they be reading? Yeah, I, I do my best. I mostly read when I travel because I can't work on airplanes, and so I'll take that time to read books. I was reading um, Ghost Rider by Alessandra Tour on the way mm-hmm. here. I know that you know a couple more that I've read. You recently. like dating you, hating you by Christina. Oh my Lauren. god, I loved that. I love Christina Lauren. Friends just, of the show. Yeah, yeah. They just put out autobiography, which has a cameo from one of my characters in it, which I love. Oh, that's exciting. Which character? Yeah. Or is that is, no? That it's fine. Um, Brecken from Hopeless. Exciting. Yeah. So that's fun. And have you? You must have met a lot of these authors too. Like I oh know there's gosh, lots yes. of big group. Like, I, I've met some of my best friends through this industry. It's amazing how, you know, just social media has kind of brought us together and we're able to support each other. And several of us were at a festival in France recently, which was they made us walk the red carpet in Cannes. And, you know, it was just one of those once in a lifetime things. And we were all like, wow, we can't believe this is happening. But Christine and Lauren were there and um, it was amazing. It's very cool. This. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know. You, you must have these moments of like, this is my life right now. What is? Yeah, you know? it's insane. And we had a couple of years ago, I opened a bookstore in the hometown where I live and 
um, E.L. James did two signings that year for Gray. One was here in New York and one was at my bookstore in Podunkies, Texas, you know, so I just, you know, just the That's relationships great. that I've built and, and the fact that she came out and supported us that way and donated all of the profit that day to charity. We donated, I think, 24000 That's great. What's the name of your store? The Bookworm Box. It's a nonprofit store. They um, only sell signed books and they also have a subscription box for those of you listening um <laughs> and they donate all the proceeds to charity so authors so donate signed books we donate signed books colleen like reaches out to authors from other publishers and says hey can we order 400 4000 whatever um and it's amazing it's that is like great. almost a million dollars donated over obviously i'm her hype woman i love it but no it's great and we'll put the link up on the post when yeah, this goes up so it's so great and people should visit it's kind of fun and incidentally Colleen wrote herself into Without Merit, <laughs> which is a hilarious thing, and people are really finding it really funny because she's so awkward in the book. Um, so definitely look out for that scene because that's Colleen. I, I it's not a rando. A cameo. It's it's probably the cheesiest thing ever, but it's it's funny because you know I don't like I make fun of myself in a way. So and also you did it because a fan said, "Would you ever write yourself into a book?" And yeah. I think that's funny. People listening, ask Colleen to do weird things, and she might actually just turn around I and might do them. Do them. Yeah. 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 Challenge accepted. Yes, exactly. Please put my daughter in a book. <laughs> Is there um, a book idea that you haven't written, kind of like that you wish you could write, but it's like so far afield from what you do that you're just like, I don't know how I'm ever going to get to it? Or... Is it the one Not with dragons? Really is, <laughs> right? Uh, he, my, my son has some good ideas for books. I, I need to co-write a children's book with him. I keep yep. saying that, but um, I don't know. Like, I... I, I grew up reading a lot of Kurt Vonnegut, and he's very just strange and out there. And mm -hmm. I wouldn't mind writing, you know, kind of a Kurt Vonnegut-style book. But um, usually when I get an idea for a book that I love, I write it. That's or put it in the vault. Yeah. Yep. Get it, get it yeah. scheduled, in the, scheduled in the brain space, and then we'll look for it three, four, whoever knows how many years <laughs> down the road. I'm so forgetful and disorganized, though. I'll forget it. Very disorganized. So disorganized. <laughs> oh my gosh well it has been great talking to you and I think we're going to take a little break and then we're going to come back and play a little taboo uh, so I'll remind readers again that uh, Without Merit is available now wherever books are sold and um, Colleen Hoover has a vast choice of wonderful books for you to read so look for that and again we'll make sure that um, tell me the name of the bookworm box bookworm yes. box bookworm box is her bookstore and uh, if you are interested in some charitable giving, we'll make sure that link is up. So stick around. We'll be back in just a sec. Thank you. You're listening to XOXO After Darkcast. Okay, we are back, and it is time for a game, as we like to end our episodes. So we are going to play Taboo. We haven't played in a while. To remind our listeners, this is one we've each been given certain vocabulary words and are forbidden from using some of the most common ways to describe this thing. And we will attempt to get our fellow guests on the mic today to figure out what we're talking about. And a theme will become apparent from the words, um, but I'm not going to give it away. We'll just see if you can figure it out as we go. So I will start. Um, I am uh, going to take a peek at this and I have certain words I can't say and we will hope that I don't have to go on and on forever about it. We'll see how we do. <laughs> and Diana is here over my shoulder to make sure that I don't cheat. Okay, uh, so this is a verb and um, a waiter might say it if it was a really busy day at the restaurant. Oh my gosh, I have so many tables. I'm getting totally Swamped. overwhelmed. Um, 
close. Busy. Uh, it's a familiar word that we have been talking about on this podcast. Hot. Bothered. Um, it's uh, also onomatopoetic. It makes a noise. Um, oh. You, <laughs> uh, you might say that if there's an event um, of blank poetry. Slam. Oh, slam. <laughs> I'm slammed today. It's yeah. Slammed. Ding, ding, ding. Sorry. All right. So close Hot, sweaty, bothered. <laughs> so we award that to Ariel. And so, Ariel, you will go next. Okay. So go ahead and you have two cl- You have two sets. So just read your top round. Okay, I'm reading my top round. Okay. This is a word. It's a feeling. Um, when you are not the happiest. Hopeless. Ha- yeah. <laughs> I think Colleen I may have guessed now. our theme. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. So now we have an extra hint. Um, all right, Colleen, so you right. go ahead and do with yours. Oh, goodness. And I can't say any of those? Confess. <laughs> <laughs> That's cheating. Um, this is something that might, it may be the, oh, gosh. This one is hard. Um, T- tell us a person. My... Best friend, pal. Um, <laughs> maybe someday. Boy, a book boyfriend. Um, collaboration. Partner. Um, <laughs> marriage. Uh, collaboration. Sexy times. Um, you, someone. New um, Orleans. Mardi Gras. Slam. Drinks. <laughs> right. Drinks. Wasted. Um. Wasted. um this is killing me because I, I can't know. say either of those. <laughs> Diana is grinning with glee. Um, trilogy. Series? Oh. Series. Collaboration. Um, best friend. Parent Fisher? Self-published. Oh, too late. Never, never. Uh. <laughs> Wait, which? Never. never. Uh, well, what? Oh, that's hard. Like, I, huh? I didn't let her say ever. Or, or, or no, or say. Or say. Yeah, but that I is hard. I was just trying to give you, since we knew maybe it was book oh, titles. We so going, right, so right. I collaborated. It was a series. It was a collaboration with my best friend. Right. right. And I was like, oh, no, I didn't I study the collaboration. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Round two. Um, here we go. Ooh. Um, this one, uh, a crime has been committed and I want you to tell me everything. Confess. Yes. I'm sorry. There's a lot for that. I gave that to you. <laughs> I could tell. No, I, I, I was just thinking about right. Cheetos, actually. Right. <laughs> Cheetos? I, I, also, I also want all your Cheetos. It was just a thing that was happening. Okay, me. Colleen and um, Ariel are tied up. This is the uh, time of year. November 9th. Yeah, November. Uh, I remember that one. I needed to get on the board. I was going to say this is the month of my birth, but I couldn't say month. And I don't know that you would remember that anyway. No. I love you, Your birthday's in December. Do you know what day? 12th. Nope. It's okay. We're even. No. No, we're even. (laughs) Third. We are even. Second. you do not know my birthday. Tenth. (laughs) That's it. Now you're dead to her. Seventeenth. I think that now it's just sad. (laughs) (laughs) I actually do know this somewhere, but I panicked. Oh. <laughs> I need an armpit wipe. <laughs> okay, Colleen, last last one. Now, if Ariel gets this, she has pulled ahead and will have won okay. all the bragging rights. So I have... You have to buy me all the cheese in the world and ship it to my home. <laughs> okay. You heard it here. That's fair. 
Jesus um, coming at me. Uh, do I go? Yes. Yeah. Pa. Oh, I almost said the word. <laughs> oh. Um, <laughs> music. Griffin Peterson. Soundtrack. Maybe someday. Uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Maybe okay. or someday. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. What's the soundtrack tie into maybe someday? Okay. The so book great. is actually about um, two musicians who write music together, and I collaborated with a musician to create a soundtrack oh, for the songs that they write in the book. So all the music is original and pertains and was written by the characters. So. But what's so cool is that Griffin was a contestant on American Idol, and he's yeah. very attractive. Ooh. He is. He's very attractive. And the reason why I know him is because he was on American Idol. And it was when I was writing a book called Losing Hope, which was a <laughs> follow up to Hopeless. And my readers went insane because they thought he looked like the main character. And so they started flooding his, his page and oh, calling wow. him Holder. And so I sent him an apology email. And I'm like, so sorry. This is why people are calling you this name you've never heard of. And then we just became friends after that. And he actually ended up model- doing a cover shoot for the cover of Losing Hope. Oh, wait. I know him. That's yeah. so cool. He works for the Betches now. He works where? Does he? Right? I don't know. I don't think so. I have no idea. I don't know. We have to look in into Wisconsin, this. Oh, no, so, no, no, no. yeah. Nope. But, um, but he's yeah. on the cover of one of her books. Yeah, and then we collaborated with another book. Yeah. That's so and great. we're hoping to do it again. Bridging the gap with art. Yeah. We should yeah. all be so lucky. Yeah. All right. Well, Ariel, uh, I look forward to hearing about the cheese that arrives at your place because you have <laughs> clearly, so hands cheese. down, won this game as dun, dun, dun. an excellent publicist should. Thank you. Uh, Colleen, once again, thank you so much for joining us. I will remind the readers thank to run out me. and buy Without Merit and all the rest of Colleen's stuff. You have some excellent, excellent reading times ahead of you. And uh, I will ask you to join me. We end every um, every show by reminding people that the best conversations happen after dark so I'm going to do our closing line and I hope that you will join me in uh, sharing that with the people so thanks everybody for listening and remember that the best, best conversations, conversations happen, happen after, after dark, dark.